Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining me. Today's guest is Jay Samet, and you may not know his name off the top of your head, but trust me when I say he is one of the people, one of the episodes that you definitely want to listen to, especially if you are into making money. (laughs) or you have an idea, or you want to make a change of career, or you want to get off the treadmill that has you not living and just being here existing to pay your bills, which I know that feeling as well. So I'm super motivated after reading his book, Future Proofing You, and also after talking to him today. So let me tell you a little bit about Jay. Jay Samet is a best-selling author and an entrepreneur and intrapreneur who's widely recognized as one of the world's leading experts on disruption and innovation. He has been described by Wired Magazine as having the coolest job in the industry <laughs> because he raises hundreds of millions of dollars for startups, advises Fortune 500 firms, transforms entire industries, revamps government institutions, and for three decades continues to be at the forefront of global trends. Jay has helped grow companies pre-IPO like LinkedIn. He's been a NASDAQ company CEO, held senior management roles at EMI, Sony, and Universal Studios, pioneered advancements in mobile, e-commerce, digital distribution and spatial reality that are used by billions of consumers every day. His partners and associates reads like a who's who list of innovators, including Bill Gates, President Bill Clinton, the Pope, Steven Spielberg, Steve Jobs, Reed Hoffman, Dave Geffen, Sir Richard Branson, and Paul Allen. Jay's previous book, Disrupt You, Master Personal Transformation, Seize Opportunity, and Thrive in the Era of Endless Innovation, is currently published in 12 languages. And the new book we talk about today, Future Proofing You, is available now. And he has a workbook available for free for both of these books. He is a sought-after conference speaker and consultant, and he's written for publications such as Fortune, Harvard Business Review, and The Wall Street Journal. So that is quite a resume. I'm not sure I've had one that long. And if you go to his website, he's got even more stuff. So Jay is, he knows what he's talking about. And his new book is going to give you 12 tools, 12 steps, 12 truths about how you can future-proof yourself to really build your wealth and to do it in a way that is about creating, finding wealth, not just saving it and going about your grind. So all about it. Love it. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Jay Samet. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Jay Samet is here. Hi, Jay. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. So I was excited when I started reading your book, Future Proofing You, because like in the first chapter, there it is. Look at you. Such a good marketer. (laughs) You said millionaires and everyday people and people, and I'm paraphrasing all have the same 24 hours. And I was like, I got to interview this guy because 
you know, this podcast is called the same 24 hours. So let's jump off there. Yeah, what do you mean I, by that? What do you mean we all have the same 24 hours? If you would have told me when I grew up in, in, in a row house in Philadelphia that dozens of my friends would become billionaires with a B, I'd ask you what you were smoking, right? <laughs> I'd never met a millionaire. I didn't know what money was. I didn't come from that. And I noticed a pattern. And the only differences between those that, that succeed and those that don't is what they believe in themselves. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So I've then dedicated the rest of my life to teaching people how to, how to achieve. Um, and, you know, I've taught this at the university level. I've had students do $100 million the first year. Uh, and I wrote Disrupt You to break it down for everybody. And I got thousands of emails from people in over 140 countries. I don't say that to brag. I say, like, how interconnected we are thanking me for changing their lives. I didn't do the work they did. I just hold up a mirror and they look at it. And, but I got that occasional email one specifically from a millennial that said, I could never do this. Mm. And I'm like, why am I not able to communicate and reach that? So I came up with this crazy idea. I took a homeless immigrant, mentored him one day a week for a year. I gave him no capital, no business introductions. He had to start a business that took zero money. And spoiler alert, if you're reading Future Proofing You, he goes from welfare to self-made millionaire in under a year. And I synthesized what we talked about down to 12 truths. And if you follow these 12 truths, you will have the same results. This isn't a get-rich-quick idea. This is if you're willing to work harder than most people will for a year, you can live in a manner most people can't for the rest of your life. Nice, nice. And so... Everyone heard my introduction to Jay. Okay, so this isn't just a guy who like showed up and said, I have an idea. Like you you walk the walk. This is yeah, stuff I mean, you I, know I've for sure. People. I've created apps that are used by billions. I've sold companies. Yeah. I've, I've run companies with hundreds of thousands of employees, but I'm no different than anybody else. Now I've met some of the, you know, all the, I'm not going to drop a gazillion names. You can go ahead. Just give us a few. It. Come on, give us a few. Oh, I, I've worked with Spielberg <laughs> and, 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 and Bill Gates and, and Steve Jobs and Paul Allen and, you know, the Pope and presidents and all that stuff. And some of them are not smarter than your average bear. You know, a couple of them are some of the smartest people in the world that I've ever met. Uh, but the point is it's their approach to success. And everybody thinks entrepreneurs sell things. That's not what it is. You solve things. Solve a problem for five people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you make money. Solve for a billion and you change the world. And the only people that ever changed the world were stubborn people that didn't give up. That's all it's about. So that if you an athlete and you saw how you could transform your physicality, where you overcame that, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not fat enough, and you literally changed that, Imagine going through the same process to change the voice in your head that says why you're not good enough. And it starts with that positive mindset. So Vin Clancy, the young man that I picked, I realized I had to get him out of that mindset of welfare very quickly if I was going to have him succeed at this audacious experiment. And so in our very first meeting, I lied to him. Not proud of it. And he didn't find this out till he read the book. Um, but oh, really? A, you didn't tell yeah, me? <laughs> there's a phenomenon called the Pygmalion effect. 
uh, professor went to a school, tested all the kids and told the teachers three of the kids would be super learners, super achievers. They really grow this year. And at the end of the year, those three kids excelled above everybody else. The professor lied. He just picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people they're special and you treat them special, they become special. So really all that he needed to know was that somebody else believed that he could until he believed it. And once he believed it, he was unstoppable. And you haven't gotten this far in the book. And I, I won't wreck it for you, but middle of the year, it's about a half a million dollars in, in, that he's earned. His business got knocked over like, like a sucker punch. that got nothing that he did wrong, nothing that anybody could have foreseen. And he was really bummed. And he comes to my meeting and, and I knew what had happened. And his goal for that month was to make 100,000. And he only made 96,000 and he was upset. And I'm saying inside to myself, if I could have put him in a time machine right. <laughs> year before that you're going to be upset at only making 96,000 a month, more than his parents had ever earned in a year or whatever, you know, he wouldn't believe it. And his business didn't fall over. He instantly said, this isn't working. I have to try something else. That is the growth mindset. When something fails, you don't end up where you started. You either earn or you learn, but either way, you're better off. And so you fail your way forward. Um, two guys that I worked with at the beginning of my career had what was at that time the most genius idea I ever heard of. This is, what if we hook up computers to traffic lights to reduce traffic? It was called traffic data. Brilliant. No city planner understood what they were talking about. So traffic data went bankrupt. And Bill Gates and Paul Allen had to start another company. And their second company was called Microsoft. And it did a little bit better. Walt Disney's first company went belly up. Henry Ford's first company went belly up. We live in this era, especially uh, the younger generations, where social media gives you this, this false greatest hits. It's like watching the evening news where baseball is just hit, 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 not the long drawn out process, let alone all the practice hours. So people don't understand that failing is part of the process. Right. You cannot succeed without failing. No baby stands in the middle of the room and says, today I shall walk across the room. <laughs> they try and they stumble, they try to stumble. When you play video games, you, you hit this immovable thing, you, you hammer at it, you finally get past that obstacle and there's another obstacle. Welcome right. to life. Welcome but to life. I teach you how to harness that, how to harness fear, how to really look at the world in a way that we weren't taught. We were taught to be employees. We were raised to help somebody else live their dreams. Right. And most For people sure. go to a job they don't care about. They're paid enough to show up, but not enough to care. They can't live a life that they deserve. But no one showed them how. Right. We were to conform and all be the same. And yet every icon that we look at, everything that we value in life, from the designer that made our clothes to the movie that we love, to the music that moves us, to the book that changes us, was all by somebody that didn't conform. Right. And once you show people and take off those blinders, they're unstoppable. I believe it. And I, back to what you said about the Pygmalion effect. When I was in seventh grade, um, I had a basketball coach who told me I was really strong. And he introduced me to a weightlifting coach. And off I went and was a weightlifter. But I had a, a different basketball coach the year prior who told me I would never be a runner. And so I believed that 
and then decide, you know, whenever I decided to run in my thirties, I was like, well, I'm not really a runner. <laughs> I'm not really going to be able to do this, but at least I'm strong. And I didn't realize until I like woke up and, and realized what was going on that I had taken that belief because he said I wasn't a runner, but at least I was strong. Right. And I just went off into the distance and I'm strong. Right. I believe that. And there's still this, the part of me, it's like, no, nah, I'm not really a runner. And it's just crazy to me. Like you are what you believe you are. And here's what it is. <laughs> the well-wishers, your parents and teachers and coaches and everything want to shield you from the pain of failing. Yes. That's why they're doing this. Yes. They gave right. up on their dreams. And so you're getting advice from people that gave up. Um, I have an even more extreme on the physicality side of it. If you read Disrupt You, the first book, my mom, for whatever reason, she hates to tell the story, wanted to get me out of the house as a little kid. So she forged my birth certificate to make me a year older. So I was always the smallest kid, the scrawniest kid, the weakest kid. So I absolutely hated anything having to do with sports. I, I, I still hold, I think, the national record for wrestling. I could have both of my shoulders on the mat before the other kid touches me. I mean, I don't follow a sport. I don't play a sport. I don't see a sport. And so when I wrote Disrupt You to tell people to change their voice, I was about 40. And I'm like, I have to be honest and do the same thing for myself. Mm. And I'm not four years old pretending to be six years old. I'm not, you know, I could probably kick the ass of any four-year-old. So I decided to, I had an Olympic wrestler was to work for me and I asked him to show me what the exercises are and I got in shape. And, and since I didn't play any sports, the only thing that I could think to do when I got in, in perfect shape was I, I took up trapeze. I'd always, always wanted to be in the circus. So um, anybody can change that voice. Yeah. And not to get into politics, but when I saw what happened in our nation's capital in January, what I saw were thousands of people feeling left out, left behind, fighting over leftovers. The bottom 140 million Americans own less than 1% of this country. The middle class got wiped out by the pandemic. So unless we can teach people to be job creators, unless we can teach people how to start businesses and how to succeed, there won't be a middle class. And you cannot have democracy without a strong middle class. So I'm not doing this to sell coaching. You can't hire me. You can't buy things, a t-shirt with my face on it. You don't make money from books. You use publishers to get the word out. But I'm doing this to pay it forward. Right. And it's the most gratifying thing that I've done. And every time I see what comes from people's minds, I mean, my new favorite obsession is a 17-year-old girl in high school. She had her science fair. I literally did the baking soda vinegar volcano. Okay, I'm the stereotype, whatever. She looked at and the number four cause of death in the US is hospitals. Not what you went in for, but getting an infection. So make a long story short, said, why can't we make sutures that if this change color, if the wound's infected? Wow. And she played with some beats and the pH balance is different than skin. And, she solved this patent, this, and, you know, will make millions, but more importantly, save millions of lives. And she isn't even out of high school. What a failure I am. I mean, the number of things that people are doing because they, they don't know that they can't. Right. Well, and I know like in the case of my dad, he's in his seventies, 
he has always had this entrepreneurial mind and he'll be sitting in his chair and he's like, oh, I got this great invention. To, and I'm like, okay, so go do that. And then like 10 years later, he'll see it on TV, right? <laughs> and he's like, that was my idea. I'm like, but you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, ideas are worthless and you act on it. One of my favorite stories in Future Proofing You is a mom and every parent can relate to this. It's the middle of the week, it's late at night and her daughter was making some poster board for some presentation at school. And she messed it up and crying, mommy, mommy, please go to the store. Get me another sheet, please, please, please. So the mom relented, goes to the store, but she's not going to do this three times. So before she gave her the poster board, she took a ruler and made light little lines on it so the girl could write on it straight. In the morning, she's talking to her sister-in-law and goes, why don't they sell a poster board with lines on it? So she got a patent, went to the biggest manufacturer, and she makes like millions of dollars a year. Wow. No wow. That's so amazing, right? You can, there are patents that are available that you can act on that nobody is using. There are things that work in one industry that you can take to another. You don't have to be Doc Brown and invent the flux capacitor. You know, you just have to solve a problem, no matter how small. I, I have a, a, a friend that I met through the book who was, I have an exercise of uh, do three problems a day for 30 days to find your, your, your business. And he was taking his medicine one morning and the phone rang. And then he goes, did I take my pill? I don't remember. Oh, that's a problem. Then he thinks about that. Well, if you take too many, you die. If you don't take enough, you don't get better. You know, how do you solve this? And he took a little Happy Meal watch, put it on the pill bottle. So when you look at it, it goes, oh, I opened it three minutes ago, or oh, I opened it eight hours ago. It's called Timer Cat. They're at every drugstore around the world now. And, uh, you know, he lives in a multi-million dollar house. It just starts with a problem. So if you don't have any problems in your life, disrupt you and future proofing you cannot help you. But if you do, odds are others have the same problem. And arguably, if you are the type of person who feels like the world is against you and you have all sorts of problems, you have a wealth, you have a basket to pick You're from. You're right the spoiled guy <laughs> with the silver spoon that doesn't do anything. Right. And what's really interesting about it is there's no barriers to getting capital nowadays. There's, it, there's, you're one click away from 5 billion customers. And now what we learned from the pandemic is you don't have to live in a major city or Silicon Valley or wherever. You can hire the best people in the world. You can hire remote workers. You don't, you're not limited to what you have within five miles of you. So there's no excuse. And one of the big things that, was, that I wrote about in this book that I was an oversight in my first book is the, the eighth truth, don't fly solo. As an athlete, you know this from having a coach, but nobody makes it on their own. Mm. There's no such thing. I used to be president of the world's largest music company, home of the, the Beatles and Queen and everything. And I remember being at Wembley Stadium, 100,000 fans, one artist on the stage, and like, that's the definition of the self-made man. No, it isn't. You don't see the dozens of songwriters and producers and musicians and agents and managers and touring and even the, the, the costumer who makes the stained t-shirt that he wears so it looks like he's in a stained t-shirt. So are you talking about Ed Sheeran? <laughs> you're going to need a series of mentors and I show people how to get those mentors. And the reason why people want to help you is it validates them, they learn from the experience and they don't believe that there's scarcity. We were taught in school that business was 
Jay buys a banana for $1 and I sell it to Meredith for $2 and that's how you make money. Well, true, that's not accurate. That assumes that the only money that I can make is money that somebody else has. So it's a zero sum game like a poker table. So when immigrants get our jobs or another country gets their jobs, people are taking, and it's a scarcity mindset. Right. But if I tell you the last company that I, I created uh, sold 18 months later for $200 million to Newsmore, I'm starting a new company. I'll sell you 10% for $10,000. What do I now have? I have 10,000 in cash and 90,000 in stock. I can hire people with that. I can buy things with that. I can do stuff. Most of the world's millionaires and billionaires created money from thin air that way. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, every 48 hours, there was a new self-made billionaire. Let that sink in. What do you do this past weekend, you slacker? Um, <laughs> now it's every 26 hours. So right. this is doable. And none of these people came from special families or went to special schools or did this and that. And the old fashioned, you know, Warren Buffett way, nothing wrong with Warren. He just hit a hundred billion dollars. I'll confess he's worth more than I am, but he made 99% of that after he was 50. Right. Kylie Jenner became a billionaire at 22. I can tell you, you'd have a lot more fun being a billionaire at 22 than at 50. So what did she do different? You go, well, she's a Kardashian. There were no billionaires in her family. So what did she do? And why, what is stopping you from achieving the same thing? Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the things that really made me perk up when I was listening to your book on Audible is one doesn't get rich by saving money. You get rich by creating it. And, you know, I look back on the times in my life when I was a lawyer and I was just punching the clock and getting the paycheck, like, oh, maybe you get a bonus, but it's just like, and then when I quit all that and I started doing other things and projects and it's like, it really does feel like I'm not an inventor and I don't have any patents, but I have created money too. And that's the most bizarre feeling when you just work on something and then you, you do create it. And it's a feeling like, oh, what, what can I actually accomplish? I, I with... have cousins of friends that are lawyers <laughs> and they hit that mid part somewhere around in their forties where they realize they're an hourly slave wage. Yes. You're you never start to think ahead. about your whole day in point twos. Like, well, this, yeah. this going to the oil change is going to take me 1.2 or I can just. <laughs> like yeah. and, yeah. and the only way you can have wealth is if you're making money when you're sleeping. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to work till the day you die. And so people just need to be taught and shown how to do it. And it's, it's that simple. And you don't need to invent something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the other method that we're, we're taught, you know, Gutenberg and movable type, as if a guy's sitting there and goes, I'm going to make a press and do this. Nothing can be further than the truth, short version of the story. In the year zero, the Greeks got tired of squeezing olives to make olive oil. They were getting, you know, arthritis or whatever, and somebody made an olive press. It took 1,500 years for somebody to say, if we make a bigger one, we don't have to stop on grapes. And all of a sudden, in Germany in 1,500, they were making more wine than they make today. Everybody got a great press. They didn't need a lot of laborers. And there was so much wine, there, there was no market for it. Every vintner went out of business. And now there's all these presses sitting there. And he's sitting there with his little type looking out at the window. And he just shifted it to different use. Okay. Silly putty was designed during the war effort. 
Um, uh, uh, Plato was created to remove wallpaper. So there's all these different things that were invented for something that didn't catch on. And you just take somebody else's invention to solve a problem that you identify. A lot easier than having to invent from scratch. And you don't have to invent. And I have one chapter in here of a new trillion dollar opportunity that my clients, Google and Facebook and Apple and Microsoft are spending billions creating augmented reality glasses. We're all gonna be wearing them instead of spending five to 12 hours a day looking at our phone, we'll have heads up display, but that creates a whole lot of other stuff. They're not gonna make the apps. Think of when the iPhone came out. First year it came out, here's two of the top 10 apps. There was the fart app, <laughs> fart sounds, and there was a game with cats, which means people don't think of Robin Hood or Uber, thousands of businesses that created dozens and dozens of billionaires. So if these guys are spending tens of billions of dollars to create the stuff, and it's up to you just to come up with a use case for it, you know, one of the apps that it comes with is translate anything you read into the language you, you want to see. So you can be in some weird country, read the menu and not order dog accidentally, okay? <laughs> well, that's an easy one, but there's so many other ones for, you know, I'm a construction guy. Why not overlay the city's plans so that you don't dig into a cable or you're a fireman and you can't see in the building and now you can see where all the fire stuff is and all the- Right. You look at a plate of food and it tells you what your calories are and logs it into your business. There's a company that is scanning everything at the world's largest physical re re retailer, Walmart. So you can stand in a supermarket and say, my doctor just said I have diabetes. Show me all the foods that don't have sugar and everything else will disappear. Or show me the foods that don't have salt or that are halal or kosher. Or I don't remember what's good for keto. So just show me the keto foods. Wow. Or, Here's all the wines. I want wines from France. I want wines from France under $10. So all that can happen like we would do in searching in real life. And here's a hammer. If you pick up the wrong one and you know you're not supposed to, <laughs> boom, put that down. <laughs> so en endless opportunity. Yeah. We live in an era of endless innovation. And I'm just excited to watch what people create and watch that change in people. And I hope that, you know, the people that, 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 uh, I'm helping, you know, just pay it forward and change the culture from being risk averse to taking risks. I mean, it's bad enough that young people are coming out of college with a mortgage and not a house. That makes them very risk averse. They're right. starting off with this big, big, big debt. But there's another way. And so I'm just doing this top and I'm so committed that if people go to my website, jsavit.com, there's free workbooks so people can get the most out of these books. And you can just click the link and, 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 and get it. And there's no upsell here. I'm not, you can't hire me. You know? I want to hire you though. I want you to be, hire, be my best friend. What's the price? <laughs> the only things that I've said yes to in the past few years is you've got to have a business that so fundamentally changes the planet that I feel guilty if I don't help. <laughs> So I'm chairman of a company called Greenfield Robotics. Short version is 100 years ago, some moron said the best way to grow food is to put a ton of poison on it. It'll kill small mammals and insects and weeds, but it would never do anything to us. Well, cancer rates prove otherwise. So how do you deal with weeds? Well, we have little robots that go up and down the rows of think of, of cornfields and milo and soy. 
and just cut the weeds and not the plants. They're autonomous. It's like mini Teslas. They just drive around and do that. But here's, the, here's what happens. The farmer doesn't have to pay for spraying. He gets 40% more for his crop because it's organic. He doesn't have to till the soil. The only reason you till the soil is to break up weeds. Tilling is the single largest source of greenhouse gases warming the planet. It's not cars, it's not factories, it's 16%. Wow. And then you don't have runoff of the excess chemicals going down the Mississippi, killing all the fish in the Gulf. So this one little thing gives healthy food for a healthy planet. So I said, okay, I don't wanna run another company, but I'll do it. Um, and, and that just came from an engineer who happened to be, he grew up on a farm and went back to farm life and couldn't understand why it hadn't changed in a century. Wow. Every, everything can be changed. It all just starts with that belief, a growth yeah. mindset. And that's what you're about. That's what your show's about. And you're helping people see that anything's possible. And your book is amazing. Um, just in the first couple chapters, it's got me all fired up. I've been hauling around an idea for 10 years and yeah, and it's still a good idea. It hasn't been done. And so, I, you know, you're giving me the oomph I need to, to really think about it and move it forward because you, you said in the book, there's two things you need. You need insight and you need perseverance. And That's if it. you're stubborn- and you're, you know, you're, you persevere. I do that. Like, that's the whole, that's my whole shtick is how stubborn and per, like I can persevere through anything. Right. And insight is what this podcast is about. It's about what your book, your book is the inside. It's a, there's insight everywhere. Like we all, all you stubborn listeners out there, that's all you need. You need some insight. You got the stubbornness. <laughs> so let's go. Right. And there's always a new field. And the thing that I told Vin, the, the young man that I mentored, is he grew up like millennial, he knew about social media and he wanted to do social media for other people. Well, there's about 40 million people doing that. And if you're poor and broke, the only people you know are poor and broke people, you know, Coca-Cola's are gonna seek you out and say, we want you to run our social media. So I said, you either have to be the best in the world at what you do or the only one doing it. Because if you're the only one doing something, by definition, you're the best in the world. So I said, find something people are talking about, find something that new, and make yourself the expert of social media for that one narrow thing. And even if you have to give your first client and do work for free, at the end of that, you have what they call a business school, a case study. Now I can say, look what I did for them. Here's what worked true. So his first client was like $500 for a month's worth of work. But client number two was paying $20,000 a month to do the same work. And client number three was paying $50,000 a month to do the same amount of work. And the only difference was you now have a track record, right? Right. And that's all it took. And he worked his butt off. He was so motivated, self-motivated once he got a taste of what he could do that he could have walked across the Atlantic. I mean, he was just pumped up and it started, you know, no dating, no TV, no, no anything for, for 12 months. At the end, he, he wanted to tap out, but he wanted to make it through. And what kept him going is he knew that he would take the next year off and travel the world. Not because a million dollars is enough to live on forever, but because he knew he was future-proof. He knew that whenever he wanted to set up anywhere, he can do it again and again and again. And that's what you need in the world, this dynamic. You need to know how to make yourself future-proof. 
That's awesome. Well, Jay, thank you so much for your time. Future Proofing You is your new book. And you said at your website, jsamet.com, there are workbooks. So everyone loves a workbook. So go check it out. But thank you so much, Jay. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.